content through the years, but he was able to graduate from high school. He went on to a two-year junior college and then on to a four-year university. He got a degree. He now has a job and a family, and he's an avid reader. He loves to read. He's always reading. Dr. Marianne Sintron, thanks for joining us today. I have a very special guest who is a fellow teacher. Her name is Christy Corbett. I'm going to bring her on to share her story, and, and the introduction for her will be in the text down below. So, Christy, come on to the stage. Welcome. I was Thank so you so fascinated. much for having me, Marianne. I was so fascinated yesterday talking to you about your journey as a teacher and, and with your four children, specifically one son who had dyslexia, and you shared an amazing journey. Would you go ahead and share with our audience about that journey? I'd be happy to. Thank you. Yes, I um, I was a high school English teacher, and my fourth child was getting ready for kindergarten, and he had had some speech struggles, some speech delay some speech therapy uh, but when he went into kindergarten he didn't do well also didn't do well in first grade and by about second grade he found himself in a resource room with an IEP and when I met with his uh, resource room teacher she said he cannot hear the individual sounds within words <clears throat> now at the time I thought that meant that he had some kind of a disability that was going to be his for life, and he just would never be able to hear the individual sounds. So she was teaching my son to read using flashcards and basically teaching him to memorize how these words looked. Well, there are, you know, <laughs> half a million words in the English language. As you can imagine, um, he did not do well. And so every year I went faithfully to the IEP meetings, but by seventh grade, he was still decoding at about a first or second grade level. Amazing. So I pulled him out and I took him to a private speech and language pathologist. She did some testing and her diagnosis was that he had a central auditory processing deficit. And he, she said to me, he cannot hear the individual sounds within words. And I said to her, wow, is there a fix for that? And she said, yes, there's a program manual from the company. And I gave that manual to a reading specialist. And within a year, it, I'm, I'm not sure how many months, but within a year, he was now decoding at grade level. So he needed some extra tutoring, of course, because he lost a lot of content through the years. But he was able to graduate from high school. He went on to a two-year junior college and then on to a four-year university. He got a degree. He now has a job and a family, and he's an avid reader. He loves to read. He's always reading, especially history. He really enjoys. So I am so grateful that he mm -hmm. got the help he needed. It would have been a different story without that help. That's right. Uh, and so, you know, there are many reading programs out there, and we all need to work together to help these kids read. You know, in my opinion, there's far too many kids who are illiterate and many programs who that just, you know, are so competitive. And, and I also have step-by-step -step reading, and I use Orton Gillingham. And uh -huh. we have plenty of children to help and we'll all work together. And I'm so glad you stepped up and advocated for your son. Yeah. Would you talk a little bit about 
what this was doing to his self-esteem when he was in school and couldn't read and how his self-esteem flipped when he was in middle school? Uh, Well, yes, you know, children don't understand why this is happening to them. I'm sure they look around the classroom and see it looks like everybody else is doing okay, but them. And I'm sure they must think, wow, what's wrong with me? And he kind of compensated by being absolutely hilarious. He is so much fun. He was just, you know, a ton of laughs and kind of honestly tried to kind of be funny and clever and, and get some attention that way. While I'm sure inside, he was really, really struggling. And then later on, when, after he learned to read, I think it made a huge difference in his confidence. Uh, he, he did okay in uh, high school, probably because he didn't have the background. He'd missed some of the background uh, experience, especially in mathematics. But yeah, in, uh, in, uh, when he went on to college, he did well, and he still is just really a fun person, great personality, funny, <laughs> but now able to just read anything that he puts his hands on. So, yeah, I feel for these little guys, and I and I was trained in this program, and they come often in tears and feeling horrible about themselves. And, uh, yeah, it's wonderful to see the change when they finally see that, hey, I can learn to read too. And we talked the other day about, um, oh my goodness, my mind, you know, we were just talking about the necessity of the multi-sensory approach. It's just not the flashcards, memorize these words, that kids need a multi-sensory approach to reading. Would you want to expound a little bit about that? How, yeah, sure. How you... Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So uh, I tell parents that often what students are missing is what's called phonemic awareness. And that's that ability to hear or distinguish segment the individual sounds within words. So uh, I always remind parents that a lack of phonemic awareness has nothing to do with intelligence. It really doesn't. These kids are sharp. They're bright. It's more to me like not being able to carry a tune. We would never think because somebody can't carry a tune that that's a reflection of their intelligence. Well, you can learn to carry a tune and you can learn to develop phonemic awareness. And it's a little bit the same way, very direct, intensive instruction, but this can be developed. And in fact, it must be developed in order for a student to be able to use decoding um, and learn, really learn how to become a fluent reader. So I emphasize that to parents to look for programs that do have the multisensory approach, as you mentioned, that can help students develop phonemic awareness. The other thing I tell parents is please don't wait. I think it's tragic in my, my son's case. If I just can continue to wait, I'm, he would probably have dropped out of high school and not learn how to read. I think the schools have great intentions, but their resources are thin and uh, they oftentimes are just simply not trained in these special programs that the students so need. So I encourage parents not to wait. As soon as you see that your child is not doing well, if they're not doing well by the end of first grade, definitely you want to reach out perhaps and get a special program, special tutor to work with your child. And you did start, you started when he was young, you started when he was first and second grade, but you didn't get that help until middle school. And you're the one that pursued it. And you're the one that helped him. Right. And of course, I wish Amazing. I'd done it so much sooner, but you just, I, I was just, I never had this issue in my life before. My other children didn't seem to have this issue. So yeah, so I just trusted. And I think the school met 
Well, they, we, I, we had IEPs, but it, they just weren't able to deliver. They just don't think they yeah. have the training and the time and resources to make it happen. And so that's I encourage what parents, parents need, to get outside testing. Parents need to realize that the schools are, are not equipping all their teachers. And even if they send them to a week or two weeks, that's not enough because they need that hands-on practice. And there's so much to learn. Yeah. There's many things going on with a multisensory um, approach to reading. And getting the child assessed is so important. If they wait for the school to do it, they could be losing months at a time. Oh, it's really true. You know, we offer screening for dyslexia. Um, You know, we talked the other day about your son. You said now he knows how to read and he loves it. So people always ask, does dyslexia go away? And my answer to the parents is it has gone away. The woman who trained me and my Orton-Gillingham said that it only seemed to come back when she was tired, overloaded, but it went away wow. for her. And she was a fellow for Orton-Gillingham. Tell, yeah. tell me what your feelings are. Does it go away? Does it not go away? Your experience? Well, well I, <clears throat> it's hard to say. I think spelling is often always going to be quite a bit of a challenge for students who have had dyslexia, maybe more so than other students. But you know what? Once they learn the basics, they develop the phonemic awareness and they learn the basics and they practice, I feel like they can just read and have a basically normal life, graduate from college, become brain surgeons. I mean, their potential is, is just really not impacted anymore. Even though things may be a little bit of a struggle in their life, reading is not going to be the impact that it would have been if they hadn't, you know, that's right. Received the help. So parents need to know, you know, if the kids, you know, the, the four areas where students with dyslexia grow into being entrepreneurs and the theater and the arts engineers and architecture, but if they want to go into Uh medicine and I have an interview with uh, Tank Thayer, who was a surgeon, he was dyslexic. Um, He shares his journey, but they can be surgeons engineers, teachers, and they just, they need those accommodations in college so that they can graduate successfully. Yeah, there's, there's fabulous help out there and kids can do it. They, they they aren't doomed. They, in fact, they can overcome it and we need to help them as early as possible to overcome it. And so they can just move forward as regular readers. It's, it's really wonderful that we have the help available now. Let me ask you, do you think um, your son's dyslexia was a genetic, had a genetic component or was more environmental? Uh, I, yes, I think it did have a genetic component. Uh, and I'm looking at my grandchildren. I have four children. I'm looking at my grandchildren now, and several of them have struggled with the same issues. They're, uh, and they've all gotten the help, and they're all readers so, yeah, it tends to run in families. And often I'll have students that I work with who, with a, where the parent will say, you know, I think I'm dyslexic or maybe the other parent is dyslexic. Yes. So, yes, it tends to run in families. And uh, you notice still, that in your because you're not dyslexic, right? I don't think so. No, I did struggle a little bit in my reading, although I, I by the end of first grade, I was reading. But uh yeah. I think there is, I know there is in my family because I've seen it now in two generations. Okay. So it's pretty typical. Yeah, I think it's pretty and typical. And when it skipped your first three kids, did it get you by surprise when you noticed your fourth child struggling? 
I think so. I didn't understand, you know, you, as parents, you think, you know, what you, you kind of are a little bit in denial. That's what I was kept thinking, oh, it'll get better. But, and I say this to parents, don't wait. You know, it, in his case, it didn't get better. In some of my other children, there was a little bit of struggle early on, but they seem to kind of overcome it. But sometimes when it's severe, they can't overcome it on their own. I guess it's like carrying a tune. They could just, that would be the case the rest of their lives. I worked with adults who had their whole lives been unable to read, but they also learned to read when they finally were able to develop phonemic awareness and get the training and, 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 uh, practice that they needed. So it's, it's certainly not hopeless. There's so much available that can help, uh, help families. That's right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end this interview because I just want um, parents to be encouraged to know that you need to advocate early. I have a lot of training videos on my YouTube that give you little snippets of how to help your child at home And for those who don't know what decoding is, that is reading, the ability to read. Encoding is the ability to write. And so the more kids can read and see, understand what they're reading, then they're going to be successful spellers. But they need to be reading first. And um, I want to thank you, Christy, for your your time with us. It was very pleasant and enjoyable. And I want people to know that my curriculum is available. And the link will be in this um, text information below as well. You can find me at um, CintronDyslexiaHelp.com or go to Dyslexia-Solutions.com. So thanks for being here. And Christy, I want to thank you again for being here as well. It was my pleasure. Thanks. for listening to this podcast in its entirety. If what we shared today has inspired you, would you please visit our website, dyslexia-solutions.com and consider making a donation so that we can keep these podcasts going. Also, please subscribe to our channel and find me on, on Instagram, Marianne Sintron. Thank you again for tuning in and may God bless you. for having me on. Bye-bye now.